0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome in again to the D-Backs podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com D-Backs reporter, Steve Gilbert. And we're going to talk about some different things. We're going to set the stage for opening day as if it was today, Steve. We'll put out your lineup, rotation, and bullpen with no more additions to this D-Backs team. See how it stacks up. And we'll also... Talk to, we'll hear from Taylor Clark, who was down at the Rookie Career Development Program outside of Washington, D.C. last weekend. And we'll hear from him and talk about his prospects here as far as how they relate to the D-backs in 2018. Let's start, though, with the lineup. Again, this is opening day 2018, if it was on, as we record this, January 11th. Um, The lineup you've put together is David Peralta leading things off, then A.J. Pollock, Paul Goldschmidt, Jake Lamb, Brandon Drury at second base, Yasmani Tomas in right, Ketel Marte, the shortstop, and Jeff Mathis, the catcher. When you look at that lineup, you compare it to the lineup that the team had a year ago, obviously there's no J.D. Martinez in there that they finished the year with. But overall, it still stacks up pretty well, doesn't it? It's a pretty good lineup.
1: Yeah, you know, Tim, I think that the, one of the things that the Dimebacks probably are not going to have a hard time doing this year, scoring runs, It's um, you know they were they were up there in the league last year in scoring runs. I think that they returned just about everybody outside of Martinez. And you know it's always worth I, I feel like I need to point out because I know that, that some Diamondback fans get very concerned when they look at a lineup without JD Martinez. It's worth noting that they did uh, compile quite a quite a good record before JD Martinez uh, joined the team last year. And you know when you got Paul Goldschmidt and, and uh, healthy AJ Pollock and, and Jake Lamb in that lineup, that's the uh, that's a pretty formidable lineup there. So I think that, you know, while certainly if it started today and they were without J.D. Martinez or any other additions, um, I think it's still a lineup that can mash. I think it's still a lineup that's got a lot of pop in it and, uh, and a lineup that's going to score some runs to, to try to help support that pitching staff.
0: Now that said, when you look at this lineup, um, if there was to be a change or, or a question right now, what would that be between now and opening yeah. day?
1: Yeah, I think they're gonna. I think they're still looking to, to add some depth to the outfield. Um, you know, to to give Tomas a break, to to give Peralta and, and Pollock a day off here and there. Uh, you know, so it wouldn't surprise me if they if they sign a, a, an outfielder for for some depth um, before we uh, get to spring training. It wouldn't surprise me if they add a little bit more depth to the catching position. I still think that. Um, you know, right now they've got Mathis, they've got Chris Herman and John Ryan Murphy, and I think that they would, would certainly like to get a little deeper there um, after losing Chris Iannetta. So those would kind of be two of the things. I think that Chris Owings is a guy you could see maybe fill a super utility role and, and kind of take some of those outfield at bat. I could see that happening, and also given the, the, you know, the surplus they have in the infield, um, you know, Brandon Drury certainly would be a, a trade ship that John Beck's could use if they wanted to uh, to acquire an outfielder or if they wanted to kind of strengthen their system. Um, just because they have so many uh, quality and talented middle infielders, uh, Drury becomes a little bit of uh, expendable for them.
0: All right, let's move on to the rotation, and it shapes up very familiar for D-backs fans Zach Granke, Robbie Ray, Taiwan Walker, Patrick Corbin, and Zach Godley. Uh, a lot of guys there that had tremendous kind of breakout seasons in 2017 when you talk about uh, Godley and Ray, and obviously Corbin was good again, and and Walker a nice addition to the team, and, and Greinke at the top. Obviously there's been trade rumors out there about possibly losing one of these guys, but if it comes to opening day and this is your rotation, I mean the D-backs have to feel great about these guys going out there again.
1: I think they do, and I, it, it's the most set rotation I can remember in recent memory. I'm sure there's a, there's a year I'm forgetting here, but um, to have five guys going into camp where you know you know going in, hey, these are the five guys. Usually, there's at least one open spot, but they feel really good about uh, Granky Ray, Walker, Corbin, Godley, whatever order you want to put them in. Um, I think one of the things that, that's uh, very interesting to me is is that uh, Zach, how far Zach Godley's coming in a year here. Um, last spring, you know, Toy Lavello said he was probably coming out of spring training, you know, seventh, eighth starter in, in his mind. Um, but Shelby Miller ended up um, requiring Tommy John surgery, and they had to get somebody up from the minor leagues. And Godley came up, and every time they gave him the ball, he just kept pitching well and pitching well. And um, suddenly he becomes one of their most reliable starters and, and is kind of uh, written in pen for, for this season in the starting rotation, at least as they – at least as things stand right now, and they head into spring training.
0: You mentioned Shelby Miller, and obviously the Tommy John surgery. What is the latest on him?
1: You know, he's. Uh, I saw him the other day uh, out at the D-backs complex playing catch. Um, he is supposedly on schedule and on his recovery. Um, probably looking at more of a, a mid-season return for him. Uh, Or at least around that time frame, depending on how the rest of his rehab goes. But uh, they're certainly hoping to have him back on the mound before the end of this season in the big leagues.
0: Could certainly add depth to a rotation. Nobody ever gets through the season with five starters, and being able to add a guy like Shelby Miller, even though he's obviously famously struggled with the D-backs, he looked pretty good right before the injury, though.
1: Yes, you know it seemed like last year spring training he came in and. Seemed like a different guy. He was throwing harder, seemed more relaxed. A little bit of the pressure had been taken off him, I think. Um, He felt quite a bit of pressure coming in in 2016. Expectations were high for the team. They were expecting him to be the number two starter behind Zach Greinke. Um, Might have tried to put a little too much on his shoulders there. Um, So it was was just a disastrous year for him. But uh, last year he was pitching well. And as you said, you know, then he got injured right after that, which was uh, certainly disappointing for somebody who had worked so hard and, and kind of uh, seemed to find his groove. So uh, he's somebody that they, they're anxious to get back and, again, gives them, a, you know, a little bit of depth in the middle of the year. You know, you look at a guy like maybe an Anthony Bonda or Braden Shipley um, or Taylor Clark, who, who we're going to talk about later as guys who, who might be able to contribute at the big league level at some point this year uh, if need be.
0: All right, and the bullpen. Obviously, some question whether or not maybe they add one more piece there. They've already added Brad Boxberger, but the way you have it uh, lined up is Archie Bradley doing the closing and then Boxberger, the setup man, Yosahisha Hirano, Andrew Chafin, Jimmy Sherfy, Randall Delgado, who they just signed a one-year deal to avoid arbitration with this week, and then finally TJ McFarlane. Um, if there are no other moves made... How confident is the team that this bullpen will get them through 2018, or would there be a thought to add a piece down the road in the season?
1: Yeah, this is always, the bullpen's always the hardest uh, part for me to to predict on a team, Um, especially before camp even opens. um, You know, there's so many guys that that can jump up over the course of a spring that you're not expecting. I mean, look, last year we were talking about Archie Bradley as a starter candidate. Um, No one even considered him as a bullpen piece until towards the end of spring training when. Um, he lost out on the starter's job and he became all of a sudden one of the best relievers out of the bullpen. So, um, that was kind of my, uh, my, my picks for right now. And so I'm not sure what direction they're going to go with closer. They have, you know, either Hirano, Boxberger or Bradley that they could uh, use in that role. I had to pick one. So I picked Bradley for now. I think they're going to look during spring training and, and make sure that they come out of camp, um, with one guy, at least initially getting most of the save opportunities, um, so which one of those three, I don't know. I would kind of lean towards Bradley, but um, you know, I guess we'll see what Hirano looks like. And, and Boxberger, somebody uh, of the three that has, is the only one that has major league closing experience. Um, and if he can stay healthy, he's somebody that they might look to and, and then use Bradley in more of a seventh and eighth inning type role, kind of like the Indians use Andrew Miller. Um, so th- that, that, that could be kind of how they set up that bullpen.
0: Yeah, certainly interesting. And the bullpen always lends itself to the most, I think, stories and most things to watch in spring training, really for every team because there's so many questions and so much changes from year to year. All right. I mentioned the rookie career development program. Taylor Clark was there, one of the representatives of the D-backs organization. The program covers everything about baseball in the major leagues, except for actually the playing of the games, where they'll, instead they talk about it's basically a weekend outside of Washington, D.C., where the players will get to take part in skits and, and go to conferences and, and talk to members of the media. They learn how they should act on social media, how they should deal with the media, how they should act in a clubhouse in the major leagues, all that kind of kind of stuff, um, and, and it's really helpful for a lot of the players. Taylor Clark was down there, and our Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo were down there as well doing interviews. They caught up with Taylor. Let's hear from him.
2: Taylor, by most accounts, you had a really solid 2017 season. Obviously, moving up to Reno was uh, was probably tough. When you, when, when you look back at your year as a whole, how, how do you think everything went for you this past season?
3: Um, I was pretty pleased with it, um, just looking back at everything. Uh, Being a double-a all-star kind of going back repeating double-a just be able to prove it a little bit better Um, So that was reassuring knowing what to expect going into the season Um, So I think that I just had more confidence a little bit going back to double-a And after being an all-star kind of just keeping the momentum carrying right into triple-a Obviously going from the Southern League to PCL. It's a little bit night and day so um but i mean you learn some good value or some good lessons pitching out in pcl you just gotta really minimize your
2: mistakes and just try to um make quality pitches i would imagine i mean you get to the big leagues or wherever different ballparks different environments you know it teaches you that like you stick with your game plan right what works here should work there as long as you execute
3: yeah for the most part i mean you don't want to shy away from your strengths try to become someone that you're not um, I consider myself maybe a little bit more of a fly ball pitcher trying to pitch up in the zone um, which kind of doesn't work to my advantage in Reno and out there so but it's one of those things that you make a mistake you live move on learn from it um, but got a lot of guys on that team too that were up and down and they would always try to take their advice
2: and they say it's a lot easier pitching up in the big leagues than pitching the PCL. Right, especially Reno I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, it, when you pick the brains of guys like that and you see them going up and down it, it must seem like all right I'm, I'm getting close to, to my ultimate goal. What do you think you need to do with your own game to to make that final jump up to, to Arizona for the first time?
3: I don't think there's anything I need to do differently it's just more con- stay consistent um, just be the same guy that I've been for the past two or three years or so um, not try to kind of get out to what I'm n- trying not to become someone that I'm not um, just kind of just go out there, pitch my game, control what I can control, just kind of hope it
2: works out. You've always sort of been the kind of guy who's been more sort of feel for pitching than pure stuff, right? So I guess you get into trouble when you start trying to blow people away and things like that. Exactly. Yeah.
3: When I try to get like, if you get too caught up in like, oh, trying to strike everyone out or trying to do this, it's just know what you do well, try to stick to that and then kind of tinker it.
2: Okay, a couple sort of fun questions for you. What, uh, what's your go-to uniform number? Like, if you can pick a uniform number, what's your number you love and why?
3: Um, 32, usually. And no particular reason, it's just in college, when they're handing out that jerseys, that's the one that fit, and I had really good success in college, so I was like, all right, I'll just continue that into, into uh, pro season. So every minor league level is different. Like, some don't even have 32, So, but I'll try to get that. It's something in the 30s.
2: Um, all right, last one for you. What's your favorite, like, as a growing up a uh, major league baseball memory, like going to a game, some, you know, watching a game, something that really stands out that you remember from your childhood? Um, I always grew up a Mets fan,
3: so both my parents, born and raised in New York, um, they passed it down to me. So one thing that actually really stands out to me is I remember watching uh, their first home game after 9-11 against the Braves when Piazza hits that home run. And they always see the highlights. I always get chills from it that day. But I remember watching that whole game and, and my parents kind of sitting there watching me explaining, like, what meant. Because I was only, about, like, eight at that time. But it was just, like, you could tell there was something that meant a lot more. It kind of just stuck with me.
0: So Taylor covering some different topics there, repeating double A, where he became an all-star, making it up to AAA and and the challenges, Steve, of pitching in the Pacific Coast League, which is kind of famously a hitter's playground um, with, with all the warm weather climates down there in, in Las Vegas and all those teams. It's a tough place to pitch, but a lot of players have to get their way through it. So when you look at Taylor Clark coming off a good season in 2017, you know what's the time frame for him making it up to the big leagues?
1: Well, he's somebody that they really, the Diamondbacks really like. They, they, they like his, uh, his demeanor, the kind of the way he carries himself and his competitiveness. And uh, while sometimes, as you pointed out, the Pacific Coast League is not a friendly place, uh, particularly places like Reno, Colorado Springs, not you know, conducive to, to guys putting up big pitching numbers, um, the that, that teams are, are used to that. They factor that in, and they're just looking more at, at guys, like you know how are they developing, how do their pitches themselves look, they understand that there are going to be balls that should be fly balls that go out of the ballpark and, and whatnot. So I think uh, for a guy like Taylor Clark, um, probably more of a second half of the season would, would they look for him um, if he's having a good year. Uh, he's going to come to spring training, his first uh, spring training camp this year. So that I think will be a great experience for him to get a chance to be around, you know, some of the veterans like Zach Greinke or Robbie Ray and, and kind of see how how the uh, big leaguers go about them, you know, their business. So I think that's valuable for him. Um, And, again, I think it certainly will test him mentally this year to kind of see how he handles that, uh, that Pacific Coast League where the numbers just are always a little skewed in favor of the hitters.
0: Yeah, and even if they're not looking at those numbers, you know it has to take a toll mentally for these pitchers, even though they can convince themselves that, hey, that would have been a fly ball in a normal park when it leaves the ballpark and you see the guy jogging around the base it has to have an impact. So I think it toughens guys up as well to have to deal with that, and we'll see how Taylor Clark deals with again here at the beginning of 2018. That'll do it for MLB.com Extras, our D-backs edition. For Steve Gilbert, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.